Thank you for joining me, man. Um, first question I ask everyone is, when did you know music was going to be a part of your life? Ooh, that's a, uh, <laughs> <laughs> huh, let's see. I, I don't know. I was like 12 or 13 years old. And I remember getting thrown down in a pit at a show in Paducah, Kentucky, a small town that nobody's ever heard of. <laughs> And like, I don't know, just having like a great time and a great night. That was probably when I was like, I'm going to do this forever. Yeah. What a terrible choice that was. <laughs> um, did you just go to that show like as a fan or like, how did you even get involved with music? Like just in general, like what drove you to that show? So uh, uh, there was, um, there was this church that set up um, skateboard ramps. And I found out about it. I went out to one night and I was like, cool, I'm going to skate there. And, you know, I, I met some other people that were skating and this one guy had a mohawk and he was like, hey, I like your Unseen shirt. And I was like, do you know who this band is? Because I came from a town that was like, you know, only a couple thousand people, you know, really, really small place. And uh, so I was kind of surprised someone else knew he was a little older and then he had MySpace and I had MySpace. So we talked a little more on there and he was like, yeah, you should add this band as your friend. They're pretty cool. And um because uh, back then you could just do that. <laughs> um, so there was this band that was playing a Battle of the Bands in Paducah. And we drove from Union City, Tennessee up there. And it was like 45 minutes. I totally lied to my mom about where I was. I think he did too. Um, oh, no. I'm falling all over the place. Oh, that's uh, good. But yeah, no, uh, we, we had a great time. And uh, it was a Battle of the Bands. And that's where I first saw my first punk rock show and then from there i like kept kind of following this band and they were like oh let's book some uh, some touring bands you know in this area so they started doing that and then uh, as i got older i started doing it i ran a booking promotions company for a couple of years in south and uh like one of the last uh, acts i booked was suicidal tendencies and that was awesome you know uh so uh, getting to see, you know, that's the only way I was able to see any bigger bands that I wanted to see. You know, it wasn't like they were touring anywhere near me in Tennessee growing up. Uh, I had to book them. So when I got older, <laughs> I started figuring out how to do that with the DIY promotions company. And I went from there and I just kept kind of booking and booking. And then I was sick of booking and wanted to go play music. So uh, I sold everything I had and. I tried to book myself out on the road as long as I could. So I was out for about three years uh, and then coronavirus hit and then I kind of stayed put. So <laughs> I was in about 200 shows a year. Dan, that's, that's why that's really impressive, man. Um, so well, I guess we'll get to kind of like the booking and the shows um, you mentioned like the unseen and like, how did you even get into like punk and maybe more like underground kind of bands? Like, before even going to your first show like how did you how did you like listen or find new bands at the time so i didn't have a tv really we had like we sometimes got the the memphis fox channel even though it was like three hours away but uh we didn't really even get uh like antenna channels where i grew up in the like boondocks big old country sometimes you hear it in my voice but um <laughs> That's where I grew up, you know, so cornfield, back, backyard, beanfield, front yard kind of place. And uh, so we, I ended up uh, moving into another house that was able to get dial-up internet. And we were like, oh, that's huge, you know. 
I'm going to play Tony Hawk Pro Skater online, you know, (laughs) mom, get off the phone. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, when it went from that, I was like, I started downloading music on uh, LimeWire, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, You know, just the big punk search, you know, and occasional being like, oh, that's porn. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, yeah, no, that that helped a lot. And then uh, whenever, you know, I I met that other dude at that skateboarding, uh, he liked some of the same bands and then he showed me bands I showed him some bands he showed me a lot more bands because he was older and then um, he was like yeah I got some friends in this town where we added this band on MySpace and they're gonna play this show and like we all mobbed up there together and I met other people that had on band shirts so I was like yo that's cool you know <laughs> so I mean it all came from just meeting people and traveling and from there like I think that's probably where it happened was small scene of Paducah Kentucky that's awesome, man. Uh, what was the first instrument you learned how to play? Uh, guitar. When did um, when did that happen? Like, when did guitar come in your life? Uh, I I remember being like eleven or twelve, and my grandpa gave me one that was kind of beat up. Or I was about ten or eleven around then, but I ended up being thirteen whenever I got my first one, and I wanted to play bass. And um, <laughs> my dad was like, no, I'm not going to help you get a bass guitar. You need to other losers play bass guitar. You, you're going to play a real guitar, lead guitar solo chicks. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I want to play bass. And I remember it was like a weird thing. So like when I turned 16, I bought my first bass guitar then. And uh, I was just like really into it. And it's actually my favorite instrument over uh, uh, like over guitar, even though I've been playing that one longer. I'm just like way more comfortable with the tones of a four string, you know. Yeah, man. Um, I listened to Oh No, like I, that's how we kind of started talking. And dude, that song's so good. Like, uh, yeah, man, so catchy. Um, the bass well, is great. You doing the bass thing whenever you added me, and I was just like, man, I bet this guy would like my ska bass line in this <laughs> song. And like, I'm glad you did. <laughs> yeah, like- yeah, I, yeah, totally. So did uh, so I, I guess we'll fast forward a little bit. So for uh, trying to get by, is that just you, or do you have a band or how did that kind of come about? Okay, so uh, when I was I was touring with some kind of nightmare, I was out with them for about nine months, and then like I uh, got um, uh, I had a break around my birthday, my eight, eight, like so I took like this whole month off, and we had another drummer come in and fill in and film a part of a documentary for them and stuff. So um, when I had that month off, I had like a week that I went and hung out with somebody in Missouri that. My mom knew when I was like 14 or something like that, that like randomly hit me up and was like, hey, I got this studio thing I want to show you. And so I was like, sure, I'll go out there. And he started showing me it and like how to work it. And he just gave me a big bag of weed and was like, yeah, I'm just going to let you do this. I got to go run some errands. So I stayed there for two days. And that's where I made the first trying to get by record was just me playing all the instruments. But uh, uh, then I did some acoustic stuff here and there. But when I was living in Nashville, uh about six seven months after that uh I took some time off to live there um my buddy Steve Markello hit me up and was like hey I have this awesome drummer that's moved here from Philadelphia and he uh, no Pittsburgh and he uh, he's looking to play do you want to play those trying to get by songs as a band and I was like sure so we started rehearsing and um we got it, it was uh Steven and Steve and then we recorded an EP called Steve Steven Tyler <laughs> And that's on Bandcamp and on Spotify and iTunes and all that. And uh, it's like more just a 
you know, early version of the band, still figuring it out. And then when I was in San Diego, I spent uh, two winters out there taking time off. I live out there too. Uh, I just kind of bounced around. You'll figure that out, I guess. <laughs> um, but yeah, in San Diego, I had a lineup out there with uh, Adam Kripe from um, a bunch of bands down there. And then we had uh, Kyle Huntsberger playing stand-up bass. So it was a psychobilly version of all the songs that were out at the time. And we were about to record with Dave Klein, and then I got another call to go on tour with another band, uh, and that was Voice of Addiction to go back out with them, which I've uh, gone on tour with them multiple times now, and uh, he's definitely someone you want to talk to about bass guitar. That guy's nuts. <laughs> Hell yeah, yeah, man. Um, cool. So we'll go we'll go back a little bit. So you uh, you know you met the dude at the skate park. You start going to shows. You pick up your guitar. So like, what's the first band? that um you start like wanting or the first band that you created or you joined like when did live music start becoming a thing for you i mean we just started like dicking around as kids you know like Mm -hmm. playing music i mean we kind of had different names for our bands but we didn't do anything until uh i moved to memphis and then i uh had to drop out after my second semester because i skipped the first two weeks of music theory class uh, which kind of is skipping four consecutive classes. I lost all my scholarships and uh, I was getting paid to go to school and everything. Mm-hmm. So I was like, eh. And, you know, I just started playing with a bunch of different bands down there and experiencing like actually playing live music. Um, so it would sometimes probably be right after my college dreams got crushed. <laughs> yeah. um, so, like, what were you going to school for? For music, like in particular? Uh, it was actually recording technology uh, and um, philosophy, <laughs> oddly enough. But uh, I, I was always kind of into recording myself at home. And um, that's, you know, where this whole thing came out of trying to get by. It was just like, hey, I got all these ideas for songs, but like, mm, I don't know what to do. Yeah. <laughs> so I just kind of been teaching myself because I never got to go through the rest of college to learn how to actually use all the equipment. <laughs> For sure, man. Um, like, so how do you form like your ideas? Like, um, you know, where does like your music or your song like ideas come from? Uh, everything kind of just based on whatever I'm feeling at the moment. I kind of like some most writers, you know, kind of feel like they some people can just write you know and some people can only write under some kind of pressure like mentally and I feel like I'm one of those people so whenever all the a lot of the writing came out for this album that like I'm dropping bits and pieces of now uh was all happening during the um so much shit that was happening last year you know um politically or this and along with the structure of society itself just like watching it all happen and and also going being sober and you know that being new to me because you know, I, I almost died and had to like quit drinking and everything cold turkey and like so I had all this moment of clarity and then forced clarity also you know crushing with it so at the same time I hadn't you know all these different things to write about I didn't know what to write about so everything was totally new and different as a as a way for me to write my songs uh, as opposed to how I normally would, you know, yeah. so everything felt new to me in the way I did it this time, and uh, I felt like it it worked, you know. I mean, I wrote some okay songs. Yeah, man. Um, like just the the single, the oh no, like sounds so well 
produced and recorded like everything's super clear and like it's mixed great um what's you what's your like process when you're writing a song do you like do guitars first or drums or like what what's your go-to um uh, with this project i I'd, I'd change it up a lot but usually i would you know start with the i mean in most cases i start with the lyrics and and then i kind of base the song around that and like other stuff but uh for this i just had a uh, different ideas for pieces and i was trying to put them together and uh i'd start doing it with a, a drum machine to figure out like how to place out the songs you know so after i started doing that i got the structure of the songs laid out how i wanted to and uh that was just a newer way for me to go about it but um uh, I feel like it was as as far as me doing this in quarantine, recording all the instruments myself, with me playing everything, like this was uh, you know something to experiment with. And as far as why they sound so good, that's because Kyle uh, Talev from Counterpunch, mm. um, he he also is an engineer for Black and Bloom Audio. Um, he actually remotely mixed these tracks for me. And that helped me out a lot um, with uh, making it sound way more professional, and more clean. He also got the idea of what the sound I'm really going after, too. Mm -hmm. That was kind of difficult at first, but, uh, to, you know, frustrating to get over myself and be like, oh, I just got to give the songs to someone else to handle. <laughs> but I did because now I know what it's supposed to sound like. And he knows what my sound's supposed to sound like, too. So I grew a lot by doing it this way. But yeah, all in all, this is like a, a totally new process for me the way I normally would do. Awesome, dude. I, again, it's, it really sounds great. Um, okay, so we'll go back to you. So you moved to Memphis. Um, when did you start getting involved in like touring bands and, and getting kind of into the touring scene? I uh, started booking bands uh, about a year after I dropped out of college there mm -hmm. uh, because I noticed it was like, you know, touring bands weren't really playing there, but I was like getting on Facebook. And at that time, Facebook was starting out, you know, so I started being like, oh, shit, there's, you know, all these bands are I'm tagging me and being like, yeah, I know this one punk kid. He just moved there. And so it just started like with word of mouth of everybody being like, hey, there's this guy that lives there and he'll help you find a show. And like, you know, some punk bands. Uh, and then it turned into a festival that I ran for uh, five years and uh, I ended up booking 660 something bands over five years on tour like through the city and that ranged uh, alongside from ska and punk and reggae to even folk and indie stuff but yeah um, I, I was just like booking non-stop so it became like Facebook even though email was all the main context of uh, Facebook like you know I didn't I showed bands a great time you know if they came through I was like yo you're saying where I'm saying like half the time I was homeless I was like I hope you guys find a place to stay you know <laughs> and so I was just throwing down and partying and so everybody was cool with it so I, uh, we ended up being friends on Facebook and staying up with each other and uh with so many of those bands booking like that eventually it was like reverse booking whenever I decided I want to go on tour and just play music uh rather than be the booking guy you know and uh, it, it worked out like great because I was able to find a lot of people that needed someone to like fill in a leg of a tour or so something like that. So I became more of a touring session guy, mm -hmm. you know, for a second. And like, that was great. I got to travel and see a lot of people that I haven't seen in a long time and see new places and see new things. And uh, it, was, it was the best decision I ever made for sure. But yeah, it became like reverse booking, you know, it was like it just, all my contacts just flipped <laughs> over. 
And it also was great for all the bands I was touring with that were like going into different territories I even none of us have been into. But I'm like, oh, I know someone on Facebook for there that I helped them book a show on a Monday night at a fucking like like coffee bar or some shit, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And it's like end up being a great night so um all in all it comes down to unity and uh you know putting on a good time for you know whoever you can in the music scene and hoping that they return it whenever you get back to the to their area yeah um so people were when you filled in was it primarily bass or was it just kind of whatever they needed uh, it's whatever anybody needed, really. Um, I, I played bass on a couple records of like before I started touring as well, uh, mm-hmm. and I also played bass for a thrash metal band um, that hasn't been around, hasn't played a show in probably five years, uh, called Evil Army, and they're on uh, Housecore Records, you know, Phil and Selmo's record label. They've mainly been doing stuff with Hell's Headbangers uh, the past couple of releases. Um, it's fucking wild like really crazy cult thrash metal you know and that's just very high energy tremelo picking you know and you know making sure my bass sounds like a high gain high medium gatling gun you know yeah and it sounds so good it sounds so righteous when you do it right so i'm just playing with them and there's talks of a uh, us uh, maybe doing a reunion show or something like that and uh after halloween if things are safe yeah that's cool, man. Um, so these people who are who are asking you to fill in, like, do they know that you're also just like a musician, like an all-around musician? Is that why they're asking, or just like, hey, this is my friend who helped me book? Like, let's just take him on the road with us, kind of deal, or both? Yeah, I mean, it, it's yeah, it's mainly kind of like yes, yeah, both, pretty much. <laughs> in cases, I'm like a like a like an infamous like myth. And just like, <laughs> not in like any kind of cool bragging way or anything it's just like oh that fucking guy like yeah he'll do it and <laughs> <laughs> hey, so when you're going on tour with these bands like how what's your process of learning their music uh it's different every time but it's usually crammed and i'm trying not to do that mm-hmm. anymore whenever uh, i learned a lot from not doing from doing that um like whenever i toured for gutter villain i uh i literally saved up for you know, busting my ass doing staging, uh, like building stages and stuff in Nashville so I could buy this minivan just so I could get to them to learn their songs to go on tour. So I ended up getting the money and getting the minivan like the next day and then leaving that next day. Uh, yeah. So within those three days and like, I got out there before the tour started. So I had like less than two weeks to learn their songs on drums. Uh, everybody in the band lived in different parts of Tulsa. So we only were able to practice, I think, five different times. And there were, like, short 20, 30-minute practices because that band just likes to, you know, party and drink, and they just <laughs> got distracted. And, uh, but then, you know, cases like some kind of nightmare, I rode two different megabuses over, like, 11 hours and showed up. And then we laid uh, blankets over the drum set in their garage, and we played really, really quiet. I went over the songs, like, you know, I was playing drums for them. And we um, we left the next day to go out, and I was on tour with them for nine months straight. <laughs> so uh, it's always kind of different. And Voice of Addiction, the first time I went on tour with them, I didn't even know there was a new album out. <laughs> I was a uh, I was a total drunk. I had no clue what was going on, but I somehow was able to learn the whole Art of Empathy album. Uh, not as good as I know it now, but within the four days before that tour started. 
um, that was coming off a of megabus and landing in Chicago and being like, what do you mean new album? Like, I know the old songs. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, really cool. So that, that's a lot more intricate things for as far as like, that man's like propaganda, one of those, you know? Yeah. Man, that that's pretty wild. Uh, just in, like touring in general is pretty crazy. Um, I've only, I went on like a two month tour. It's the longest tour I've done with a band called The Lost Project. And like, in that two months was we already had like a bunch of second tour stories the lost project i had your uh your seven inch record of the the crazy bitch uh the girl right yeah yeah uh, yeah uh, reggae uh group right the Scott yeah band? yeah yeah exactly so y'all with this tennessee on that run yeah i think i think so it was at the <laughs> what, the bar that like black keys played right uh yeah uh the it was called murphy's and there was um uh oh shit yeah it was a weird night because also had u.s bastards featuring the dude from gore that was also booked on that night and then i had a disco funk band uh yes with local <laughs> i threw together the weirdest bill ever for that night yeah Holy man. Shit, that's nuts hey it's good to see you <laughs> yeah nice seeing you man um <laughs> that's wild yeah, yeah dude uh yeah, I mean, this is another just case of point that touring is fucking crazy. It's a small <laughs> world, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, it totally is, man. Um, that night, that night was awesome. I remember playing Pokemon Go like in the park, right next to wherever the venue. Yeah, <laughs> no, that was nuts because uh, the local band was like, "Yeah, this is the weirdest lineup we've ever been on." So <laughs> we're gonna bring all these lights, and I was like, "What?" And they brought a whole light show in that tiny dive bar. And I've never seen anything happen there like that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, dude, uh, it was pretty wild. Yeah. Uh, so I was going to ask you, actually, since you've been on tour so much, like, just what are, like, one or two maybe crazy tour stories you got? Oh, snap. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's easier if you just pick a, a city or something. <laughs> like, I don't know, every, everywhere I go, it, uh, crazy seems to follow. <laughs> um have there been any like crazy houses or places you've stayed at oh yeah all of them um they're they're nuts there's a oh god okay there's a place in uh indianapolis i found once or twice called the uh, punk rock mansion mm-hmm. smack dab in the middle of a suburban neighborhood and it's just like you go inside and it's just spray paint couches ripped over but there's also like the poor kids mansion out in LA that I've been to. And it's like a multi-story thing over spreading over the hills of fancy parts that are like five minutes from downtown, you know, gated uh, electric gate and everything. Somehow these kids got about squatter rights or something. And like, they just all live there and it's like 20 different punks. Uh, and then, you know, you go out to the res, uh, there's some crazy stuff out there for sure. Crusty Palms uh, out in Phoenix uh it's like north of phoenix in the desert um that's wild it's literally just like uh, the shack kind of like house just like with the good electricity and they like built a mini ramp and you know just have wild shows back in the day over there uh vancouver was really weird tijuana was awesome um and uh yeah i don't know new york 
uh, I've had some good times up there and and that's usually like when I'm playing other than that New York's just like a terrible city <laughs> <laughs> yeah dude uh man so like oh, just a funny story about New York it's my first time uh going to New York and I'm with those dudes in the Lost Project and they're just like hey we're gonna meet this dude named Ivan in Chinatown like just go and ask for Ivan and like that's our only like orders kind of deal so we go into this little like chicken sandwich place like owned by some puerto rican dude and we're just like uh you know like looking for ivan and he's not there but for whatever reason it's like someone's last day and they start like giving out free food and they have like beer and it's just like the weirdest like most new york kind of thing i've ever experienced so I was walking to be like yo i know ivan <laughs> yeah yeah exactly and uh yeah dude it was they made like benets or and whatever i don't know it was so wild that was like my first new york experience um but so for for touring though what uh what kind of advice would you give someone going on their first tour uh drink water <laughs> uh and uh, always fill up before you get down to ha- a quarter of a tank. I-, I always try to fill up every time I get to a half tank, but some bands don't like stopping that much. But yeah, uh, never travel in less than a quarter of a tank because the desert is big. <laughs> and also, Florida is incredibly large, like, and nobody realizes <laughs> until they set a tour down there. <laughs> yeah, I-, I feel that. Our first, like, four or five shows were in florida like it was yeah so many places to play yeah and and don't be a jerk you know watch everybody's bands that's they're they're supporting you you know as a as the touring band you should you know pay it back watch them and uh you know if if they're you know if there's something to do hang out you know just make friends uh it's it's an experience that like i fucking wouldn't trade for anything in the world and that's why I'm doing everything I can to stay safe to make sure that I can return like when shows are safe again. And I just got my uh, my first poke over here. I'm pretty proud of. Hey, me too. I went today also. Oh, cool. You want to have some like five? <laughs> I know. <laughs> Telepathic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's the <a> word. <laughs> yeah. Trying to, uh, trying to tighten up on my Russian, but I haven't picked it yet. Uh, yeah me either uh, yeah man uh, dude Torn's crazy music is awesome um, so you said you're just kind of like you know you got vaccinated like how's it how's it been during this quarantine like what have you been up to I know you wrote the new album but is there anything else you've been doing uh, yeah like in order to help pay for the mixes and uh, adjust to like living somewhere and having having bills again you know it's kind of been weird so i've been having to like uh do things for money and, and it's just like oh man there's more money that i never had to come up with before you know like it's been so long that like uh i guess i, I feel dumb like i feel like i'm starting over you know so uh, i've worked uh some cooking gigs here and there to like because uh cooking has always been a big part of my life and something i've always done on side um so I'm thankful for having that and being able to still have those gigs whenever I can find them. Um, but uh, along with that, I've been donating plasma. Mm-hmm. So I donated 42 times. Yeah, 42 times since uh, September of last year. Um, 
so that you're, you know, people can donate twice a week. And it's, uh, you know, with all this stuff going on, I felt pretty, you know, cool, good about it, you know, because yeah. some people's medicines take like 16, 17 bottles of plasma just to have one treatment of it. That's nuts. Uh, but the main thing I was doing it for was just to stay alive, to pay my own bills, pay for my dog and everything else that I needed. Mm-hmm. Um, sure that like I had somewhere to be because I didn't want to be homeless in a pandemic, yeah. <laughs> especially with like <laughs> Chicago winter because this is where I landed. Uh, so yeah, I was donating plasma. Um, and sometimes it, it's a good payout. Sometimes it's a bad payout. You know, you can't really gauge it. Um, but then, so it was that I started screen printing. Mm-hmm. Uh, myself out of screen print uh, and now I've been making patches for other bands um, I've been making um, t-shirts and my dog and all sorts of stuff like that um, and above everything I've just been learning uh, about you know uh, pushing myself to learn more about music production mm-hmm. and um, DIY production you know what I can handle what I can make and what I can make sound good with all the songwriting and also just practicing instruments, you know, because I feel like if I got a year off from playing shows, dude, I would feel like <laughs> such an asshole if I came back and I wasn't any better, right? <laughs> yeah, I can I see that, man. Yeah, so I think everybody <laughs> should be tightening up on their on their skills, you know, it, it, it wouldn't make sense not to. <laughs> yeah, you got time. Uh, so when you're learning or, or even practicing, like, how do you find new, uh, new ways to practice? Or how do you like educate yourself? Do you just utilize like YouTube or the internet? Uh, in most cases, like something, since I grew up without teachers or internet or anything like that, I always got my, uh, like learned from just playing along the songs or just improvising and just seeing where my brain takes me. Mm-hmm. So in most cases, I just kind of, just like sit down whenever I go to practice something and I'll just like improvise something. I'm like, Oh, that's a cool riff. And I'll kind of play that a couple of times. Uh, I don't really have it as, as far as like a real technique and a structure set of learning to keep pushing myself. But as far as like making sure that my hands are still comfortable and um, uh, that my muscle memory doesn't fade. Uh, Cause that's another thing that like a lot of people are worried about is like, going about playing shows, like how I'm going to learn to play standing up again. And I'm like, dude, I'm running around. <laughs> basement with my guitar and i'm not even playing songs like i'm just like yeah <laughs> but i gotta watch out the ceilings are really low dang yeah yeah it looks a little low <laughs> yeah cool man um so what are your uh what are the, your plans for the rest of uh 2021 i'm just gonna keep uh pushing these songs out and uh in in uh you know tightening up the ones that i haven't put out yet um and i'm still working with voice of addiction we have a new album that we're going to be recording sometime soon uh i get to go write it all with the end and i'm really excited about that just like it has my own you know little style and touch to it that uh that I bring whenever i tour with them and it's just more of like a raw punk element to their really clean nice tone mm-hmm. uh but uh, i'm really excited about these songs with voice of addiction for sure they're very uh, on topic for everything that's also happened in the past year and the past uh, four years, past decade, you know, all of it is just very apparent, you know, it's it's going to make everyone pissed and stay pissed. <laughs> like, I'm really excited about this Voice of Addiction record. Oh, yeah. And that's like, like the true like punk, like mentality, right? Like, oh, yeah. uh, how how important is that to you to just kind of have that mentality to where like, 
your music like means something you know I feel like uh, if people are listening to you then and you're not using that platform to get a message out, you're just wasting anyone's time. And, you know, it's like, as far as, I mean, not as an insult to this, to anybody else with that kind of music. I'm just saying like, uh, uh, there's so much, there's so much music out there these days. And if you're not making a statement in your music, it's just going to get ran over and, and like thrown in with a bland mix of, you know, anybody else is just writing a song just to have a song and I feel like whenever I'm putting these songs out uh, you know I've had invested so much of my life into learning music that if I'm going to do anything that I'm proud of musically that I also want to make sure it has a message along with it so it doesn't you know it isn't just you know some bubblegum stuff that I can push out like I want the lyrics to have an effect I want it to make people think and I want to start conversation and that's the main thing that I really am pushing forward for this uh, this new album, and as well as the new VOA album that's coming out. It, a lot of it, you know, needs to spark conversation about things that need to be talked about. And some things are being talked about, but there there's so much more work left to do in, in the world, and uh, and a lot of things just we don't need to forget about uh, as we're making progress on them. Yeah that that's uh awesome that's so exciting to hear too um and are so y'all are currently writing that um do you know more or less when you have something out any uh, ideas yeah I, I wish i could tell you that we just kind of been mul- uh, like rehearsing these songs yeah. every other week for uh, almost a year yeah. so it's like all of it's pretty much well written and is done it's just like we just want to meet up just to make sure that we're tied on it but we haven't set a, a, a recording date. Um, Ian just moved. Um, he, he just got a new house in Chicago and just moved in there. So we spent the first like two or we spent about two months like with the, the process of him moving out of his old place. And uh, that's where we also practice at into the new place. And it was a m- more residential area. So we were like, let's soundproof it. Mm. So we actually took like a whole month of soundproofing, like, pro job we did it just like eating a lot of it but like i went over there with them and uh like it's you can't hear it from the outside it's pretty sweet yeah, yeah. so um, yeah it's like an inch or like half an inch of rubber vinyl like on the walls and the ceiling and then it's like foam on top of that and it's got soundproofing caulk underneath it all and uh it's a pretty impressive job but uh it's one of the nicest sounding practice rooms i've had so we've just been getting tight again after that time uh, but I'm hoping to announce something soon because I really want to go in and record it. Hell yeah. Cool, man. Uh, so where can people listen to your music? Uh, so I'm trying to get by is available on everything. As long as you remember, it's one word. Um, and that's something that uh, you, um, I've just got to remember to keep adding in there. Because whenever I say it, sometimes I say it too fast and people are like, what the fuck is that guy talking about, man? But uh Yes, it's trying to get by. Uh, it's one word, and it's available on Spotify, iTunes, Amazon, wherever you listen to music, Bandcamp. Uh, you can buy everything there. Um, as far as merch and all that stuff, I kind of just sell it off of my Facebook uh, page, uh, occasionally on Bandcamp, through PayPal, Cash App, Venmo, or whatever, and everything I make by myself, by my own hands. Uh, and I have a 7-inch coming out uh, on a polycarbonate piece of plastic. It's about that thick, and... Uh, there's only 30 of them that have made so and i'm screen printing the jackets uh those are going to be released whenever the ep drops on april 16th oh yeah 
Well, Tyler, dude, thank you for your time. I really appreciate it. Um, hopefully I catch you uh, if you come through San Antonio or if I go on tour again. But um, yeah. yeah, man, thank you again and just have a great day. I'll talk to you later. Right on. It's good talking to you. Good to see you again. Yeah, <laughs> nice seeing you, man. <laughs> later. Peace.